It happened to me a lot, actually, when I was teaching, I had a lot of students who came to me and they did not want to use references because they felt that they were not creative enough because they were, some, they were using something that exists. And they felt that they were trapped into something. And again, just to, just to jump back on that is that basically, you need to have um, boundaries. You need to have borders at the beginning. You need to make sure that you restrain yourself to learn something that is uh, let's say the grand truth, something that actually exists. So later on, you can you can you can expand on that, and uh, you can feel free. My guest today is Gail Kirchenbaum. He is currently the creature specialist at Facebook AI. Before that, he worked as a creature supervisor at DNEC, creature artist at Axis Animation, and many more, while teaching sculpting and anatomy at CGMA and all around the globe. Together, we talk about being a freelance creature artist, the importance of anatomy, fundamentals and teaching, and how he ended up working for Facebook AI as a creature sculptor. You are listening to The 21 Artist Show, a podcast that inspires creatives to make meaningful content to pursue their passions. I'm talking with creators, artists and engineers about their careers, lessons they have learned and how to make an impact. I'm your host, Alexander Richter. I'm a technical director and coach in visual effects, animation, and games. For more content, go to 21artistshow.com. Enjoy the show. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, Gail. Hi, Alex. Thanks a lot for inviting me. I'm super happy to be here. So before we talk about how you approach your career in a thoughtful manner, I think we should set the stage with an outline of it. How did you start? Where did you go and where are you now? Yeah, so uh, again, thanks a lot for inviting me. So I can talk to you a little bit about um, what I did so far, um, how I ended up working on creature. So basically, I'm a creature artist. So um, I always knew that I wanted to be to become a creature artist. And uh, what I did when I was younger was basically I was super interested to work on video games and on movies because I was super interested in everything that was related to character basically. I always had, um, when I was young, I was surrounded by, uh, by a lot of animals and um, I think that it defined also a lot of what I wanted to do. And I wanted to have, um, I don't know, to work in something that was really creative and to work in something where I could uh, express myself a little. So. I started with this passion around creatures um, and around animals, thanks to video games, thanks to movies as well. I think that um, movies like Godzilla, King Kong were really defining for me because I knew that I always wanted to work on something like that. I mean, it was really speaking to me when I was seeing this, this creature, these uh, this animals uh, on screen. So uh, yeah, it's something that guided me into VFX later. So. Because I knew that I wanted to uh, work on movies and on something that were super creative. So what I did at one point is that I, I found a school. Um, I found a school in uh, south of France. So the name of the school is Artifacts. And uh, basically, my sister were already, she was already as, at Artifacts. And um, I've seen what she's been working on and also what could be the the end after the school, like what kind of career you can have after the school. So um, I thought about it. I thought about like, okay, I know that I want to make not 
creature directly, but I had a sense of it. Like I had a sense of what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to be creative and to work on computers and to work on something where I could basically create everything on the machine. So I thought about, okay, maybe I should try to go to this school. Um, I had an interview in the school and after the, after the fact that the interview went right, uh, I was accepted to the school. Um, I studied there for something like, uh, I think it was four, four years. So the school now is five years, but, uh, before it was four. So yeah, four years of learning a lot of things, learning a lot about, um, VFX, visual effect in, in general, um, learning about things like explosion, animation, and also learning how to model things, how to build things thanks to, thanks to a machine. Um, so that's basically what catch really my, my attention because, um, I knew that I wanted to work on this product. I knew that I wanted to work in this creative industry, but I wasn't sure at the beginning what I wanted to do. And thanks to everything that I learned at the school and also my personal goal, my appetite for creatures and for movies that contain creatures. So I just decided, okay, that's something I'm going to do for a career. And that's something I will try to pursue and I will try to become better and better at doing it. So I had this generalist approach at Artifix. So I think that the generalist approach was really, um, something that was super cool, but also something that was really limiting me in what I, uh, in the kind of speciality I wanted to go. So, um, you know, when you are learning, when you are going into a 3D school, basically you learn everything, but the problem is, if you know that you want to specialize into something, if you know that you want to be really into creatures like I wanted to do or into rigging or into animation, then the school can only give you so much, but it cannot give you every, every clues or every way of becoming what you want to become. So I had to teach myself how to use ZBrush, um, how to use, um, um, ZBrush, which is a, a concept sculpting or um, a digital sculpting tool. Had to teach myself anatomy, something that we did not have a lot of um, lectures about at the school. So I had, yeah, I had to learn a lot of things uh, for myself. And at the end of the school, because the school is really well known and it has a lot of uh, connection to companies, to VFX companies, to animation companies, um, advertising, and so on. So I was lucky enough to find a job into the speciality. I wanted to work uh, in, so I found, I think that my first job was an internship at, um, at Ubisoft Motion Picture. So Motion Picture, Ubisoft is basically, um, um, animation part of Ubisoft that is really, that was really specialized into TV series for kids. So I worked on Raving Rabbits and this kind of, this kind of things, but it wasn't really like the kind of, um, end goal for me. It was more like an introduction to my career. It was more something that uh, was related to, let's say, um, animation, not really anatomy. I was doing surfacing. So I was doing a bit of texturing. I was doing a bit of look development, but I wasn't doing modeling. And I had MPC also. I had an interview with, with MPC at the end of my uh, school. And I knew that MPC was about to, um, was currently working on, on the jungle book. And the jungle book for me was really like something. It was, it was kind of the end goal after, after the school. It was definitely the 
production I wanted to work in because it was so specialized on animals. It has so many things I could learn from. It has so many um, um, things I, I, I could be integrated to, to my uh, to my day work. So yeah, I think that um, I wanted to go to MPC, and that's something that I was lucky about because it happened just after my internship. So I went to art to uh, to MPC. Um, I started to work in the creature team of MPC, in the creature modeling team of MPC, and um, I worked on a lot of animals during this time. I was also also lucky enough, so because this because this was my first job, so I wasn't sure that this was something that could happen. But as a first job, I had the opportunity to work on hero creatures. So to work on some of the most important animals on the show, but it wasn't like I was doing everything. It was more like I was doing some tasks, even if it was modeling, but it wasn't modeling of all the animals. It was like specific modeling on some parts of the animals. So yeah, that's something that I did at uh, MPC on Jungle Book. And um, after that, my decision was that, okay, I knew that I loved working on animals. Um, that I loved learning anatomy, that I loved doing a lot of things related to animals. So I just decided, okay, I'm going to do that as a career. I'm going to do that for on every day. I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to be working on uh, hard surfaces. I don't want to be working on robots. I, I just want to be focusing on anatomy. I just want to be focusing on something that is really important for me and something that I, I can use to... Um, to express my creativity. And this was anatomy, this was animals. But it was, this wasn't something that was like, like definitely, um, I knew everything about it when I stopped working at MPC. When I finished my contract with MPC, it was more like, okay, I feel a little bit lost now. I don't, I do not have any contracts uh, aligned. I do not know what I will do. But I know that I love doing this kind of thing. I know that I love doing modeling. I know that I love focusing on modeling and really specialized modeling and realistic modeling. So I started to work on a portfolio and this was a really generalist portfolio. It has a lot of things and a lot of things I will never do in my career. Like uh, it had uh, ArcVis in it. So uh, uh, visual architecture. Uh, it had um, also some I think it has some pieces of, of art surface, but this was really, let's say, drafted. This wasn't really something that um, I was super happy to do, but I just wanted to find a way to um, to work independently. And um, at one point, I just took this portfolio and I sent it to someone who was really already specialized on creatures and who had a lot of, uh, not creatures, sorry, on characters. Uh, for video game and who had a lot of experience and for, for me it was kind of an eye opener so I sent it to um, so his name is Brendan Isaiah he had a, a big influence for me because I sent him this portfolio and he told me you know you had a lot of things in this portfolio but I can see that what you really what you're really good at doing uh, is um, is organic stuff is character or is creature so maybe because you know we cannot do everything in uh, in 3D we do not have the time to do that so maybe you can uh, keep focusing on doing doing that keep keep specializing into that and uh, i feel that it will be a good decision for you for your career and i just followed this advice really linearly because for me this was just like i needed to find job and i needed to find a way to earn money um 
to to be independent as well because I wasn't living in uh, in London anymore. I moved back to France at this time uh, just after MPC, and I wasn't living in a big uh, city. I was living in uh, let's say on the country countryside, and I had to find ways to say okay, see what I can do. And uh, even if I'm not working in the company directly, then I can still be of help and I can still do, do something I like. So yeah, I just decided to follow his advice. Um, and one way for me to find jobs was also by teaching. Um, so I was lucky enough. So just after MPC, also some companies or some schools in France, they started to get in touch and they started to get in touch with me and to ask um, if I was um, um, available for lecture, for lecture about digital sculpting, for lecture about texturing. and. I said yes, and I was really happy about this decision because I think that I never learned as much as when I was teaching. It was definitely for me the, the, the best way to learn because students are always asking a lot of questions and you need, as a teacher, as a figure of responsibility, you need to be able to answer them and to give them the, the, good, uh, the good ways or the good, uh, the good clues so they can understand things um, in, in a better manner. But yeah, I. I use this time as a teacher to keep becoming better, doing anatomy, doing this kind of stuff, doing uh, digital sculpture. And uh, I also use the time I had during lecture to do personal project. So the personal project was here as a support for the lecture. And it was also here for me so I could start doing a, a public portfolio. And thanks to this public for, for portfolio, then I had companies contacting me. They get in touch because it's, they saw that I had a great potential in creatures, uh, in modeling and texturing. And um, that's basically how everything really started for me. This uh, freelance life started thanks to teaching and thanks to my portfolio on our station, to my public portfolio. And then, uh, yeah, a lot of companies got in touch. Uh, I was lucky enough to work for Axis Animation, I was lucky enough to, to work also for a Capsule Studio, so video game company. I also work for 3D Total, which is um, a company that is doing a lot of um, um, printings and they are also doing 3D, 3D figures of anatomy. I um, teach in an online school, CG Master Academy also. I teach really a specialized course about anatomy, animal anatomy. Then uh, I worked for uh, other companies, so I went back to VFX also. So I worked for uh, advertising, and um, at the moment I'm keep keeping my speciality and uh, keeping being specialized. And I'm working as a creature artist or creature specialist at um, at Facebook um, artificial intelligence. Whew, uh, that's uh, that's a lot. I mean, if if you just look at your LinkedIn profile, all the work that you did the last years, it's a lot. I, I had to click a lot of times to get basically to all of it. There, you did a lot, also a lot of teaching, as you just mentioned. Uh, you were you were in a lot of companies also. I was just looking at it. I was like. This is immense, especially in the amount of time actually that you are in the industry, and uh, it was super impressive. So it was really, really cool, and it's also actually um, kind of where we met in in a lot of these cases. You know, we originally met at Effects America, 2019. That's actually how we know each other, and um, then uh, we like our paths crossed again, basically a little bit through you because you kind of recommended me also CGMA. 
and Artevix, where I ended up also teaching. So it is, <laughs> it was kind of a super, uh, super cool experience for me too. And I basically went a little bit through the same iteration as you were, for example, in terms of being a teacher, how much you better, you get, you get better, basically, you know, you, you learn by, by getting this weird question that you were never thinking of, uh, you know, st students always ask, um, kind of stupid question but they're only stupid because you actually don't know how to answer them a lot of times you're like <laughs> i never thought of that and i i never thought of doing that um and uh yeah it's it was it's it's really really interesting and so basically a little bit that's how our paths um crossed too and um yeah there's a lot of things to to unravel unravel here i think um so i think the first thing i, I want to to go into is a little bit of the the mentor that you had that basically uh, like ga gave you this path or, or sent you a little bit on this path. Um, so was it just this advice that he gave you and then you just kind of uh, created your way? So I think that's basically this advice came at a really good time for me. So yeah, as you said, things after MPC wasn't so stable because I had to find a new way of living and I was moving back to France. And I just thought about, okay, there are a lot of things that can be done in 3D. They are not just only doing animals. It's not just only doing, doing, um, art surfaces, not only doing uh, modeling, not doing, doing texturing. So yeah, you do not have to be as specialized as you are when you are uh, in a company like MPC where you're basically just doing one stuff and you do it super, super well. But then after the rest of the pipeline is not something you will, you will have to focus about. You will have to know how it's working, but it's not something that you really keep uh, working in. So after MPC, it was more like, okay, um, I know that I love doing animals. I focused, um, at, when I was at artifacts before I had these first jobs, um, I focused about on doing animals, on doing anatomy, doing this kind of creature. And when I was at Artifix, also something that I was doing was texturing and loop development. But at MPC, this was something that was completely um, um, ignored because I had to keep specialized on doing modeling for for the show, doing modeling for Jungle Book. So I was a little bit lost and I wanted to do a bit, again, this kind of task. I wanted also to say that... Uh, um, I was capable of doing a lot of things if I had to find clients. Um, I once, I also wanted to have this, this different life, you know, where you are not living, uh, in a big city because most of the major work in VFX or in animation or everything are located, unfortunately, in these big cities. They are located in London. They are located in Montreal. They are located in Vancouver. They are located in Paris. And in France, that not, I did not want it to end up in Paris. I, I did that eventually, but I did not want it to totally go. understand that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I did that. I had to do that at one point in my career, but I knew that I wanted to find ways to work with other company with, to, to, to work with clients that were abroad or that were not located in the, in the little city I was living in. And, um, the way to do that for me was to show that I was capable of doing a lot of things. But at one point, I kind of lost myself into that. And I did that because I wanted to find a way to, to earn money. But I, I just realized that, uh, okay, if I'm doing that, then I will 
not becoming so good at, at doing it. I will not becoming as good as I could be as a creature or as a person that is specialized in anatomy if I'm doing everything. And that's also the advice that uh, Brandon gave me. So that was really um, um, like an eye opener, I would say, for for uh, for that. So I said after I had after I sent this uh, portfolio to Brandon and I heard his his advice, I was just okay. Uh, why not spending time focusing on something I love doing so I could become super good at doing it and becoming someone that is really skilled in one speciality can only open so, so many doors. So what you can do with that is that you can, then you can show on your portfolio that you can be good even if you are not localized on site, even if you are not in London, if, even if you are not in Paris, even uh, if you want to work for a company that is uh, in a city where you, you know you will never go because do not want to move every time you have a, a job opportunity. And that's something that is happening in VFX super often. Like most of the people, they think that if they need to work in, uh, I don't know, if they need to work at MPC or uh, they think they, they, they that and they are right. If they, if they need to work for MPC or if they need to work for Framestore, DNEG, most of the time they will have to move. So now it's a little bit different with the COVID situation, but in the past or what will become after the COVID situation, it will be pretty much the case again. We'll have to move into the cities. But I wanted to work for big, big companies. I had dream about working for, I don't know, video games company. I had dreams about working for um, Axis animation, but I did not want it to move with my wife, with my wife in, uh, in Glasgow. I had dreams about, uh, working, I don't know, with Blur. I did not have the opportunity to work with Blur yet, but this was on my radar. And I just thought about what are the best way to do that. Then, of course, the best way is to show that you can be someone that can work in production, but you do not have to move there. You do not have to be on site. So you do that by, teaching and showing so not not really by teaching but you do that by showing that you are capable of doing production work and to me it was really about building a portfolio building a portfolio a public portfolio so clients future clients that i did not have yet at the moment but clients could see that i was capable of doing um let's say big companies work but even if i wasn't on site this was something that i was capable of doing i was capable of doing let's say MPC class uh, of work, or uh, I was capable of doing this kind of big companies class of work, but even without having to move there and without having to be integrated into 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 the company directly. So yeah, this was something that was super important for me. So I really followed um, clearly the advice from Brendan because again, Brendan had a, had a lot of experience and. Um, I think that something I learned also is that you need to listen to people because you cannot uh, be clear-sighted about everything on, by yourself. When you are lost... Especially yourself. Especially yourself. You are always biased by by so many things. So if you just listen to, to yourself, then you will get lost. Um, you, you will be biased. You will not be capable of uh, seeing what's out uh, in the wild, what is existing. So we just focus about, okay, I want to do that. I'm doing that. I'm not um, trying to think about anything. And then you become lost and you, you forget that your goal also at one point is to earn money <laughs> because yeah, if you do not earn money, then you cannot live. 
And if you want to earn money and you want to uh, do what you love, then you have to be really focused because if you think about like too many things, then you cannot, uh, be, you, you are losing the point, uh, I think. So basically, Blur, you know now, Gail is waiting for you. That was the call to action. So you have to invite him for an interview for the next big video game project, probably. No, that's that's what they're famous for is is a trailer, isn't isn't that? It's like amazing video game trailer. That's what I know them for, and uh, yeah, it looks fantastic. I mean, I I totally understand why you want to work there <laughs> to <laughs> or get the chance to work on a project with them. I think that's that's something really cool. Um, what I what I see generally when I I have like guests here is always there is this uh, this connection to the past. So I, I had Eugenie, Eugenie von Tutzelmann, I don't have to correct myself again, uh, here before, and we were talking about pursuing your passions, basically, and course correcting. Um, and also for her, it was like from the beginning, when she was young, she always wanted to, to work on park rides, multimedia rides, basically. So she made a career with Interstellar and Harry Potter at Framestore. And then she kind of decided, you know what, there was this thing in my past that I always were passionate about. And that kind of ties in into what I'm currently doing. And so she's switched gears a little bit and, and switched to like theme park rides, multimedia rides, which kind of ties basically from the skills that she had and the passion that she kind of had before and that grew and grew more and more. And in a way, I feel this is this is very, very similar for you too. You had some, some interest already from the beginning for creatures, uh, for this kind of anatomy, all this kind of kind of things. And then by and you you were going the general road basically at the first, you know, because sometimes the education is that way, sometimes it is the like you don't hundred percent know where to fit, so you you take it safe and apply for as a generalist or or learn the generalist path because you know like who hires you as a super specialist if you basically don't have anything to show off besides some like student projects i think and that's that's where i feel like this this mentorship or this advice came at the right place because it sounded like that it actually kind of pushed you over the edge and, sa and said take a risk Basically, take a risk. Don't don't play it safe, because the only way of success is to take a risk, and that's basically what I see every time. Is this mixture of um, like a basic passion that that like is from the beginning, you know, since since basically your your childhood kind of thing, which doesn't always have to be this very specific. It can be, for example, working with other people may, brings me joy. You know, that's something like that. Um, and then and then there is this moment of taking a risk. And I feel that this is something vital. And a lot of times, like mentors or people you look up, look idols, are the, the main focus why you do this risk, basically. What I want to talk with you about this a little bit now is basically like how much risk was that for you? Because um, the question is between generalist and specialist, because you're now a super specialist, basically. You know, you're not only a modeler, you're a creature modeler. So it is even like niche of a niche of a niche, basically a little bit. So my question is like, when you, when you get this advice, like, how did you juggle that? How did you decide, yeah, you know what? Um, I, I, I'm very specialized. Um, like also my, my job options will be like, you know, it's very slim now compared to before. So 
what went through your head and why did you actually decide in the end to go that and how much risk did you felt? So, you know, when you are becoming very, very specialized kind of, um, you are kind in between a balance where you have a lot of risk because you are limiting a lot of the options you can get, but you are also working in a niche and working in a niche also means that uh, if you are good enough and you need to be good enough, you need to be really skilled about that. Uh, you need to, um, to make sure that you are really good in, into your niche. Um, when you are doing that, you can find the best options that will kind of match the role you are, uh, like uh, you want to work in or um, you will be able to keep specializing or you will be able to become even better at doing it. And this was hard at the beginning uh, because I had to find ways of earning money again. And um, so I had to accept the fact that I didn't knew about anything. I had to accept the fact that I had before me a lot of times that will be needed for learning. And that's also something that is super important. You need to take time to make sure that you learn and that you're becoming good enough at your speciality. For me, the luck that I had at this time was that I had, let's say, more generalist opportunities at the beginning, like, okay, we need you for teaching something. So it was generalist, but also specialized, but it was like, um, uh, okay, we're going to need you for teaching a mud box class. So we're going to need you for teaching, I don't know, ZBrush class or something like that. Uh, we're going to need you to teach uh, how to do texturing. We're going to need you to teach how to do look dev. Uh, we want you to teach uh, Mari, uh, so texturing, texturing class. Um, so I seized these options as for me a way to earn money so I can save as much time as possible to keep learning. And this was something that was super important. The fact that, um, okay, I accepted some jobs that were not taking all of my time. So the time that I had, I could use it to keep learning. I could use it to keep becoming better and could use it to basically um, reach my goal as quick as possible. So you, you need to make the sacrifices at the beginning. I, I know that's something that is hard. You need to make sure that you leave time for yourself, that you leave time for yourself to keep becoming better, to keep learning and to to reach your dream goal. And that's something I will define as be, being um, as doing sacrifices at the beginning, because, you know, there's no way you could um, you could become the best anatomy um, anatomy artist uh, out there. There's no way you could you could lose out. Uh, without learning how anatomy is working. There's no way you can become the best modeler if you do not take time for yourself to learn how to, to do anatomy. So yeah, for me, this was super important to take this time. Also something that was um, super important was to do a lot of personal projects. I ended up doing a lot of um, lot of long la long nights of working, but this wasn't something that I did for companies. And, you know, I have uh, this uh, vision about uh, um, overtime that is kind of different from a lot of artists, I think. I, I hate overtimes. I'm almost never doing overtimes, but I think we can speak about it a little bit later. <laughs> but yeah, uh, for me, the time, the time is super important. So the time that I have uh, is the time that I want to take for becoming better at my speciality. So if I have some free time, then this free time will be for me to learn anatomy or to work on a personal project or to do something that is dear to my heart. Because I know that uh, 
when I will be working for a client, then the time um, that I kept for myself is something that will benefit for them as well. And this is something that is super important. Even if you're not like, um, I know that a lot of people, a lot of artists, um, uh, 3D artists as well, when they're working in companies, they do not really have the choice or they think that they do not have the choice and they keep working additional hours, they keep doing overtime. But in the end, when you see how far they can go, sometimes they, they are still, uh, they're still uh, junior uh, three, four years after they started their, their career or they can be mid after 10 years or something like that. And I, f I found that, um, it was super important for me to become super specialized, to become super, super good and super, um, clear-sighted about what I wanted to do by using my my time the way I wanted it, I wanted to use it. And this is something I think worked because basically I've been working in the industry, I don't know, for seven years or something like that. I've been out of uh, Artifix in uh, 2014 and um, I'm already senior. I already had the chance to have um, a supervisor position at uh, Dinag, even if it wasn't something I was, uh, um, I had a lot of time to play with because basically that COVID happened and we did not have any project at one point. So yeah, I couldn't uh, pursue in that. But yeah, uh, after seven years, I'm already senior and I could, I think that I can pretend being a senior and that's because I took the sacrifices at the beginning of my career. And the quicker you take these sacrifices, you accept the fact that you will have sacrifices to make. Then later, when you will have more seniority in the job, then you will see that your balance can, can come back. Basically, you can, uh, I don't know, you can take time back for yourself or if you do not want to work uh, on the evening, on the weekend, which is something I do. I do not work anymore on evening or weekends. Uh, only when I have a picture in my mind that I want to do a personal project. Personal project, yeah, exactly. Personal project, yeah. But uh, I do not do that anymore because I want to spend my free time with my with my wife. I want to spend my free time, I don't know, traveling, uh, um doing doing sport thinking about myself thinking about having good health is something that is super important because you cannot have a good um, you cannot be good in your job if you just destroy your body you will see that after years you will just stop being willing to working to work so yes yeah, that's um, that's how i see things so sacrifices at the beginning then you can see that uh, later you do not have to make them anymore I think you did a, a fantastic point of time management. I think something that is a little bit overlooked is time management, especially in the beginning, but also I think as a freelancer. So one of the things that I'm always debating and I never understood this is um, free overtime, you know, like for free, basically not paid, <laughs> which I like, Yeah. what? Yeah. Unacceptable. Um, if it is an investment, but th then it's maybe possible, you know, like an investment in yourself, you know, you'll, you learn something new or you feel like you build a good momentum with someone at a company. Yes. As long as it's, as it doesn't feel like uh, they take advantage of you. And of course, and the same thing, like basically like switching from generalist to, um, to specialist is you take a risk, you know, you take a risk of saying, no, you take a risk of, of saying, I don't do overtime, at least not unpaid or never, whatever. So there is a lot of risk in involved, but at the end of the day, if you look at the most successful people, um, it's always the no that brings them somewhere because it means they have clear limits 
boundaries. And, and I think that's something super important. They have a specific goal in mind. You know, they, they know where they're going. So they, they time manage because they know where the time should be going instead. You know, it's not just like, oh yeah, I'm like, I mean, I would be sitting in my flat and watching Netflix all day, basically, if I would <laughs> say no to that. Yeah. Um, maybe it's not as, as stressful, but um, I would actually don't do anything. But I think if you have a specific goal, like a career goal or like maybe a private goal, like, you know, something you would like to do in making a garden or whatever, um, it's still the time management, I think, that is overlooked. So I think the the, the fundamentals here is va to value yourself, for sure. That's always an important thing. But I think combined with that is to make sure that you have a clear goal in mind. I think that's something that a lot of people, especially in the beginning, you know, like you started uh, Artifix. I was at the film academy. We're both like, we're kind of going in a direction. We had our specific interests already. But then it's still sometimes you're like, I mean, we don't know how it is 100% in production or how it is exactly in this team or um, how it is on working on a specific project. Um, so we're like, let's see where we fall into. But a lot of times it ends up being a little bit more precise, a little bit more on the on the side of what do I actually want to do? You know, not just kind of like, oh, like, you know, if they take me for lighting, I will do lighting. If they take me for pipeline, I will do pipeline. But a lot of times it's the longer you do that, you kind of burn yourself out because you notice it is actually something you don't really enjoy. And so everything falls flat there, like time management falls flat, your goals fall flat because you, you kind of get stuck, I feel like, very fast if you approach the wrong direction. So my question would be specifically for, for your path. So if I'm like, like someone who's interested in modeling, maybe sculpting, maybe even creature modeling as you are, but of course, as most starter are like uh, you start somewhere in a generalist, maybe you are even from a different department, you know, maybe you're a programmer or something like that. Like, how did you approach this? Uh, I wouldn't say like uh, you didn't start at zero, but let's let's pretend you are like 10 percent, 20 percent currently. How, how did you approach that because of learning? I know that you did like a lot of with anatomy and stuff like that. So for me, it would be interesting. OK, I want to become a modeler, a creature modeler, even maybe. Um, like how, how would I approach it or how did you approach it? So I think that you need to, um, be really, you need to hear people and you need to hear, uh, like you need to find the recipes that work really well because you cannot, you cannot, um, like things already exist and you cannot invite everything and, uh, and hope that everything will work on itself. So you need, you need to be focusing on like, for me, what I did was I, I really try to identify the people I wanted to become, basically. Uh, I could be kind of a fanboy and uh, I can be a fanboy of uh, Scott Eden, who is a really well-known um, anatomy uh, anatomy specialist. Uh, I could be fan of uh, Raphael Grassetti. I could be fan of Glocon Longhi. And I know the work they are doing and something that I wanted to identify is how can I reach a level that is somewhat uh, not similar? Because I still think that they are like um, uh, really far from my level. They are really performing at a really high level. But yeah, I needed to identify what was working for them. And that will be like one of my advice, what you need to do. So that's also something that I did when I was at Artifix. When I was at Artifix, I knew that I wanted to work for MPC 
And I knew that for me, it was MPC because they worked on Godzilla. And when I was a child, of course, Godzilla was something that was, yeah, it was something that was big, you know, it was something that was uh, super inspiring and it defined a lot in me, I think, you know, when you are a child and you see this kind of monsters and you 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 were playing with them when you are doing when you are playing video game i was i'm also a fan of final fantasy and in final fantasy i always saw there's there's amazing creatures there's always there's amazing animals and something that was common to them even if they are different is that basically there is something that you need to learn about it and it's a theory about how doing this kind of stuff and the theory was uh, you need to be aware of anatomy. You need to make sure that things can be workable, things can be believable, and so on and so on. So yeah, I I took a lot of time to identify what I wanted to do. And this time, then when I uh, had identified what I wanted to do, then I took some time to identify the recipe to see how I could be someone who could be working on the next Godzilla, for example. So this was a dream before. Now it's not something I want to do anymore, and it's probably because of the the way VFX is working. But yeah, I, I needed to identify how could I be someone who could work on a Godzilla three, four, I don't know, the next the next ones. Um, and I took some time looking at uh, NPCs demo reel, and in the NPC demo reel they had a lot of creatures, and every time this creature had as like this super realistic anatomy, they had these super realistic details, everything that was really making a point about being specialized. Uh, that that's something that I discovered thanks to that. So at Artifix, I focused my my last year on doing creature and doing them the NPC way. Because I knew that I wanted to go to MPC. So one point for me was at the end of my education, then I will go to MPC and I will be uh, able to go to MPC first. And then I could work on uh, one of their big movie. I knew that also they, are, they were about to work on Jungle Book. So yeah, this was really how I focused everything. And then later and later with years and okay, you're not one of the best artists at the beginning and you need to be aware of that. You need to be aware about your skills and what you are capable of doing. Because when you arrive in a company like MPC, then you are surrounded by artists that are so talented and that are, that's been working for years and they just show you, they just open your eyes and they show you everything. Um, they show you, okay, um, look at this animal you did. You look at this skull. The, the sculpt uh, of, uh, of an animal. Uh, look at the, I don't know, the deltoid, look at the sternoioid, look at the, the um, bicep or bicepital crest or all this kind of super focused anatomic, anatomical name you don't even know about. But you, you keep learning about recipes and you keep learning that you want to become even better at what you're doing because there is a goal about becoming a senior, maybe a lead at one point. So keep identifying these goals and then you are just, okay, now I know that I'm capable of working in a company, uh, in a company like MPC, but I need to become even better so I can be someone who will support other artists. I can be someone who will teach the way I've been teaching. Um, I can be someone on, uh, on whom the, the production can rely on. And this was 
like you said, it's um, investment in, in time and uh, investing in, in the time for learning, investing on my on my night for learning anatomy, investing uh, on also looking at some um, some uh, you know some great discussion like the one uh, you you're doing with uh, with the inter the artist you are discussing with. Um, you want to hear them and you want to hear their advice. And you will see that at one point, you'll just look at a lot of videos or you can have a look at also TED, TED Talks. Um, and you will see that we all have the same way of speaking about things and we all have the same expression and we, we are always saying the same thing. We are saying, uh, I think that it, it, maybe it's a little bit too bold to compare myself or to compare, to compare uh, interviews uh, to, to TED. But yeah, I think that's, the, the the way of saying it is really you need to identify the thing we are always repeating repetition is something that is super important repetition in your um, in you learning a tool repetition in you uh, learning learning a skill repetition in your life are something that are super that are super important and repetition are something that are that are here to teach you something and if everyone you see online uh, you admire uh, they are always seeing you anatomy is super important or they are always seeing you um, uh, biomechanic if you are doing rigging they are always seeing you um, physicality if you are doing surface if you are doing texturing physicality of surface of or texture is something that is super important then you you need to you need to hear it and you need to integrate that in your in yourself you need to integrate that in the way you will keep learning for me it was anatomy it was also, so I had two sides uh, on the job I'm doing. So I'm a creature modeler, but I also a creature more generalist, but a creature specialized. So I'm doing texturing, I'm doing uh, surfaces, I'm doing look dev. But every time it's focused on creature, but I'm also a freelancer. And I'm a teacher, but also a freelancer. And when you are a freelancer, then something that you need to learn is that you are not alone in the world and you need to find a community a community, you need to find clients, you need to be, to show to the world that you are existing. And I had a look at a lot of other artists, a lot of artists that I admire. And again, the thing was they communicate a lot and they show a lot of where, of what they are doing. And they also show breakdowns and you can, you as someone who is just a, a middle artist who just want to learn a new technique, then you are just looking at the way things are, are done and you learn from these big, big, big names. So I wanted to replicate this, this behavior. And I think that's how it worked for me, just being able to replicate this behavior, integrate that, as now it's become really natural for me to do breakdown. And what I love about it now is that I, un I enjoy it so much. I enjoy sharing with people. I enjoy doing a tutorial. I enjoy uh, maybe leading someone I'm working with or teaching people anatomy because uh, it was super important for me to, to, to be able to be able to learn that. And now it's super important for me to be able to teach that so I can keep sharing and also I can evaluate my level. And that's something that is, uh, that is uh, really rewarding. Knowing where you are to where you want to go is something that, that can help you to, to invest time well and that can help you to discover the next, uh, the next uh, steps. One thing that I really, really like that you said basically um, is that you spent time 
to develop yourself. You you kind of uh, created time, um, you know, getting away from overtime, thinking about your goals. So basically, you were like a little bit like laser focus at the end after after you kind of stumbled around. After a while, you're like, I want that. I want to go to MPC. I look at their like portfolio, and then I will do exactly what I what they like. I would analyze their portfolio, look of like courses or maybe like idols basically you know um and then like copy them because i think one of the things that people uh like i think do wrong and including me myself too is after a while i learned just copy people you know you don't have to 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 steal a specific work or something but copying them especially in the learning is one of the best things ever if you if you copy someone's lighting setup if you copy someone's camera if you copy someone's even model you know like do the same model as they did or something like that like in the tutorial um instead of like always trying to create your own thing i think that's an important first step like copying i think is the best way of learning generally speaking also one of the things that that i like that we we talked before before we we had this call basically is uh, of fundamentals i mean like anatomy is literally the fundamentals of like you creatures human beings of everything basically and um and that's something i i, I found really really interesting and so that's something i try also for example to teach when it comes to scripting for example or or being a technical director is kind of like you know you can learn maya you can learn 10 languages you can do learn whatever but at the end of the day if you understand what it means you know if you understand your your position as a td if you understand um how loops and ifs really work it doesn't really matter the language, the software, the company, the situation. And I think that comes also down to, for example, something like anatomy. So basically, if you understand anatomy, of course, you have still to learn to different situation, you know, quadraporic and so on and so on. But like, like coming from that direction, it feels like it's a very fundamental approach to things where on one side you feel more safe because you have something to fall back to and on the second side you feel like it it, it makes sense because something like Godzilla for example doesn't really exist I'm not sure if it even would be possible like like physically or it will be just kind of like <laughs> fall down every five seconds um, but what I what I what I'm interested about that is is kind of the um, coloration between fundamentals um, like anatomy, for example, and teaching. So how how do you think, or how how important do you think, like was teaching um, in terms, for example, of your career, in terms of building your fundamentals, building your, for example, anatomy or something like that. So how how do you think is is teaching kind of um, setting the stage here? I think that something that is great about teaching is that basically you need to be able to explain everything to a student and even things you are not really aware about. And sometimes uh, students, they will come to you and they will ask you questions and you have absolutely no idea about what to answer to them. And uh, this is also part of the uh, process about like uh, uh, being a teacher or part of the natural way of being a teacher. You cannot, you cannot answer everything. 
still you have to be willing to to do it and you have to be willing to learn a lot of things and you have to be willing to find where are your barriers and where you can uh, go further and where where you can find answers basically and i mean it's it's also fine if you if you cannot answer that i think that's also yeah. part of the of the learning process is to say i don't know because to be honest i feel like the best leaders and supervisors are actually learning from the best teachers because on one side, they teach their staff, you know, the people who are working for them. But on the other side, the most respected people will say what they know and what they don't know. And I feel mm -hmm. like this comes from my point of view, from something like teaching, where you will have situations where you actually don't know. Yeah, exactly. You, you need to be... Uh you need to be frank with the with the students. You need to tell them, I don't have the answer, but you may want to know the answer also because you want to become better, better or person that is more aware about the question of uh, of the student. So even if you don't know, you have this willing to still go further and to improve your skill set, to improve your awareness of things, to improve improve yourself. So. That's something that uh, happened for me a lot. And, you know, at one point I had to, to teach, um, texturing and I have done a bit of texturing, but not as much as someone who is really a texture artist, uh, who, who is a senior texture artist in, into the industry, but I had to teach it. And I was really willing to learn. I was really willing to keep improving myself. And if, uh, if one of my students came to me with a question, I was saying, I don't know, but let me look for the answer for the next time we'll have a, we'll have a lecture together. We'll have a course together. Yes. And that's, um, time you have to, to, to be willing to invest you. Something that is super important is always to know where you are and where you want to go and to be self-aware of your skills, to be self-aware of the skills you want to develop. And thanks to teaching, this was also something that uh, I used a lot. Um, I was willing to become creature modeler and I was willing to keep focusing on doing animals. I was willing to keep focusing on doing anatomy. And you know, when I started to record my CGMA class, uh, my video for the CGMA class for the CG Master Academy, what I had to do is that I had to relearn things I did not express very well. I had to uh, improve my own skill because I was about to share with people and I was about to, uh, you know, there is also an exchange when you are doing that. Basically, the, the students are becoming your clients. They're paying for a course. So if they're paying for a course, then they are, they are completely uh, confident or they, they, they are completely right in the fact that they that they need to get an income out of it and they need to get a great income. Like for me, the, the most, the more expensive the course is and the more you should be learning, uh, the more you should, you should take for yourself out of the course. So that's when it was, um, like an eye opener for me also to become someone who is even more aware about anatomy, because if I had to teach it, then I had to understand like, not everything because you know, we are always learning. And I feel that I couldn't say like, uh, I know everything about anatomy for me. I just feel like I just only scratch the surface of it, but I always feel like it's super important. If you have a question to get really deep into the answer and to get really deep into what you, what you can find. Um, I think that one of the issue I have 
or one of the problem a lot of artists have is that basically they are just scratching the surface because they need to do that for a production or they need to do that for a specific context. So from a production point of view or from a budget point of view, it makes sense because you cannot have all your artists to be uh, keep spending time doing what they are really specialized in if you have a project that uh, requires other, other skills. Um, in, in companies like uh, in big companies or in a lot of companies or if you are working in, in advertising, for example, then you are hiring someone most of the time because he's a generalist and you know that the budget will be smaller, you know that the time range for doing the project will also be smaller. So you cannot uh, hire people that will be, um, you cannot hire people full time in the company because you will want them to work on other projects that will be focusing on only one task. But as a freelancer, that's not what really happened. What really happened is that you are doing, you are hired by your company because you are super um, talented into your own specialty, into your, your own um, skill set or where you really want to focus. And I want, um, I think that anatomy was for me a way to feel confident about everything. So, you know, you, 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 you said it, you can, uh, pull back to something when you are, uh, when you feel a bit lost and, uh, you can pull back to, to the theory behind things. You can, you can pull back to, to, um, things that is really the base for doing creature modeling, for example. If you need to, to do creature modeling for a show and you are not super confident about the creature because it's a creature that doesn't exist, then what is your support? What is what is the way you will be able to do that? Uh, what is the way you will be able to do Godzilla, for example, because Godzilla isn't a creature that exists? Or how can you do dragon? Not that we know of, no? <laughs> Maybe it's hiding somewhere. Maybe it's hiding somewhere. Yeah, it's just... So it's a big documentation for the last 70 years, basically, you know? Yeah, it's just, just like Nessie, you know, the Loch Ness uh, creature. Exactly, exactly. We don't know about it. But what we have about it is a feeling of what it could look like. And why do we have that? We have that because uh, we're all aware that something exists in real life and in the real world, and this thing is anatomy. It's the science of a body. It's the science of the structure of a body. It's the science of uh, how things should look like, because, uh, you know, you, me, when we are walking in the street, then sometimes we meet, we meet people. I mean, when we could walk in the street, we can do that again now, but when we could do it before the COVID, we met a lot of people. We see a lot of faces. We see a lot of uh, uh, animals. We see dogs. We see cats because they are pets. And you see that and you really have a feeling that something makes them real uh, because they are real, because there is something that is common to all of them. And you have also a feeling that they are familiar to yourself. So you do not want the knowledge to become really superficial and do, to become just something you can grab on because I don't know, you are interested in something and you say, oh, that's cool. I want to do that. Let's uh, have a superficial understanding about things. No, you need to keep focusing and you need to go really deep because you want to be able to create out of that. I think that, you know, students, what they want to do, they want to create and they do not only want some time to reproduce. Reproduce, uh, like, uh, uh, I don't know, a, a reference to reproduce a picture that exists. Sometimes they want to do a creature. They want to do something that doesn't exist. And 
you know, clients, when they come in, they ask MPC to do Godzilla, they want to do creatures that do not exist. So what you need to do is to find ways to make it believable and to make it exist. You need to find this support. You need to find really this, uh, yeah, this support, this structure. So everything can look right and can look to be placed naturally. So that's for me was something that really pushed me in uh, learning way more about anatomy that, uh, than uh, I would at the, at the beginning. Uh, at the beginning, it was just, okay, I have a sense of it. I want to do animals. I want to do creatures because I love, uh, I love big movies. I love Godzilla. But then it gets way further than that. It gets to now that uh, I've seen what the, what the industry is doing with uh, entertainment and everything, now that I've seen what, the, what it is to actually work on Godzilla, I found that actually what I was enjoying the most out of that wasn't the first thing I saw at the beginning. So the first thing, you know, was just working on big movies and doing entertainment. But no, for me, it was more about, okay, I found something that has a deep point and that has a deep um, meaning for me. And this is anatomy. This is anatomy because anatomy is something that is universal. And if I know uh, the fundamental of what I'm doing, then I can expand, I can create, I can feel free and I'm not scared anymore about doing anything. Uh, you know, you could tell me, okay, we're going to do any kind of creature. I don't feel scared anymore about that. I was before, but I don't feel that now. And it's because I feel that I understand more of the fundamental. The fundamentals will be something that will always help you to uh, feel confident in your career. Um, you know, sometimes, in VFX, we hire, so this is not the case in every companies. Like some companies, they hire people because, you know, they are te technically good and they can be artistically okay. Uh, I'm thinking about modeler here specifically. You do not always need to be an artist to be, to, to be, to be a modeler or to be a texture artist or to be a lighting or whatever. But they hire people, um, because they are technique, technically relevant to the job. But, Big companies like MPC, DNEC, Framestars, sometimes they also are artists who are technically not the best, but who have a, a notion of the fundamentals that is so good that you know you can give them whatever you want and they will be reliable. Um, you know that if you, if you ask them to design a creature that, that doesn't exist in the real world, then that's not problems. That's something that they, that they can do. So yeah, fun, fundamentals is, is basically your support to everything. Um, I would say everything in 3D, but also everything in life. If, if you know how things are, are working, if you are willing to know how things are working, uh, you are willing to to have a deep knowledge of things, then you can free yourself of uh, of a lot of things. I've actually had the situation where the company hired uh, twice already. I had a situation where the company hired someone who was actually not uh, like versed in 3D. So we had like one situation, like head of, uh, I think lighting or something, and she came from, from scene. So she was actually used to do a serious production on like, you know, like real ones, you know, not CG or something, but they hired her anyway, because she know all this stuff about like the real production, which a lot of times is the, the opposite for, for a lot of CG worker, like a lot of times. They don't, they are not aware of the limits. So they, they overdo it. You know, if you're not a, like, for example, I'm a lighting TD. I'm sometimes I need, for example, like this situation here, 
the first time you 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 actually light something in real life on one side it is super frustrating even if you are like you know i could light things in, in 3d no problem it will take some time it will as an experiment but i can do that but it's because i can cheat as much as i uh, like uh, you know and here suddenly you have so much like bouncing and things you have to control which are much much harder than in cg because you just like put somewhere something five seconds later it's not there or ignore some part of the room get great you know just just a, a light for the eyes for example here i have like one light and it bounces everywhere and destroys basically everything so um it is still like a thing where um the fundamentals like help in both situation actually and sometimes even specifically in cg you you still get uh, like a grounding because you don't have anything you can do whatever again like i can always go to to lighting is like if you don't know what like you don't you know your free point lights and then you start okay but then you you literally lose control and you end up i had situation where people end up with hundreds lights in in the scene which which could have been done with five you know which which also is a benefit for the scene the rendering time and so on you know so it's not just like it's it looks better it is also important more important and um yeah i also had this uh, animation uh, supervisor who never worked with maya so he was only 2d uh, and people still uh, brought him in because he he felt how movement should be you know he could look at it and tell you in the on the 3d play blast he could tell you this is not how like scratch, stretch and squash actually will look like and like clay or something like that. You know, I think that's something super, super important. And what what basically it comes down besides like fundamentals in a way, it's also comes down to references, because basically, for example, you were talking about your idols that were one of the first things you did. What are idols? They're references. They're references for careers. They're references for maybe paths you go. You know, I want to become a creature uh, modeler or I want to become a tune modeler or something like that. But the same thing applies for basically everything. You know, everything is a reference. You, If you, for example, create Godzilla, you would take references. You would take lizards and whatever and then slowly build up like from all these references. And this can be people. This can be like situations. So that it's not just like it is only only one thing. Even, for example, this podcast. It was it was inspired by another YouTuber, Matt Diavella. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Ground Up Show. I'm your host, Matt Diavella, and this is a podcast about starting something from nothing. This week, I'm joined by Alex Benayan, an entrepreneur and author of The Third Door, the wild quest to uncover how the world's most successful people launch their careers. On the podcast, we talk about overcoming fear, the dangers of being overly persistent, and what he's learned about finding success. And if there's one thing that I am certain of is that there's no, like you said, exact blueprint to success, anyone who's trying to sell you that is, you know, it's a get-rich-quick scheme. Enjoy the show. Who is a fantastic YouTuber and loved his podcast, and he inspired me. And also for me, it was basically a reference how this podcast should work, because, I mean, what do I know about podcasts? You know, I never did a podcast before, so I needed a reference. And I said, uh, okay, I like this whole thing. I like to talk to people like you. Um, and it's cool if it's recorded, if it's cool, if it's a little bit guided. Um, and then I was like, you know, this guy, he makes an amazing podcast. I love his podcast. Why not use him as a reference? So he became my reference, how things look like, how things sound like. And um, 
that's basically then. And then I start to evolve because I suddenly notice, oh, you know what? I don't like to talk about that. I like to talk about that. Oh, you know what? I don't like this colors. I like that colors. And I think that's something you like you should be aware, especially if you be, if you're starting. It is no shame in having references. It is no shame in in going very, very deep, you know, very low on the basics, you know, grounding yourself. Because at the end of the day, besides like having fundamentals to go back to and feel safe later, you know, if if new things come your way, um, it is also like, to be honest, like we have our expectations are so high when we start something, it is much easier to just use a reference and start there instead of like, okay, I want to create a new creature. Oh, oh. You know, and then you create something and it looks like Frankenstein monster and you're like, ah, this is shit. You know, but if you have a reference like a lizard or something, you you instantly create, or, or like Godzilla, you're like, oh, it looks kind of Godzilla-ish, but it looks good. And it's my first one, you know, and I feel like this is something still underappreciated, even sometimes from myself. I sometimes have to, to remind myself that I need references when I start, especially something new, you know, whatever it is, music podcast, YouTube, uh, even as a technical director, I, I should always like look at the references first, um, look at basics first, and then just like slowly go my way. I think that's basically the most important part that you just mentioned. It happened to me a lot, actually, when I was teaching, I had a lot of students who came to me and they did not want to use references because they felt that they were not creative enough because they were some, they were using something that exists. And they felt that they were trapped into something. And again, just to, just to jump back on that is that basically you need to have, um, boundaries. You need to have borders at the beginning. You need to make sure that you restrain yourself to learn something that is, uh, let's say the grand truth, something that actually exists. So later on, you can, you can, you can expand on that and, uh, you can feel free. You do not feel that you have boundaries enough or, um, I mean, you, you can go wherever you want. So yeah, that's, that's something that is super important. References, as you said again, references, basically when you, when you are working, like, uh, if I have like a student that come to me and tell me, can I show me your work? I say, yeah, no problem. Send me, send me some pictures, send me whatever you want. And then a lot of times they come to me and they are just working on something, but they do not have any references. Or when I ask them, okay, what are your references? And they tell me, oh, I don't know. I've been just using this photo, but yeah, I want to create something. So I'm not completely uh, trying to reproduce something that exists. I understand this willing and this willingness, but you need to restrain yourself at the beginning. And it's something that is hard. You need to sacrifice at the beginning so you can make sure that you are really uh, comfortable enough so you can create later. Welcome to our short mid-episode coffee break. If you love the content and would like to have a successful career in the film or games industry yourself, check out my website, 21artistshow.com. There you can find helpful articles, masterclasses, and coaching opportunities that help dozens of my students to bring their profession to the next level. That's all. Check out 21artistshow.com and share the podcast with cool people you know. Let's continue with the episode. Since we're both teaching, we, we we both see the same thing, you know, we both see the same problems and 
problems with confidence and problems with approaches where we a lot of times, at least I'm wondering, feels like you, you wonder too, is like, where's this shame or this weird expectation coming from? You know, you're a newbie. What do you expect from yourself? Why do you expect uh, from yourself to be, to, you know, like, oh yeah, uh, I'm, I'm starting to learn creature or modeling or something. And suddenly I have to make uh, Godzilla or it's expected from you for whatever reasons. So a lot of times there's this weird notion of, of kind of like expectation is super high. The skill is super low. And uh, it's it's a it's a weird it's it's a weird combination, and it it what it ends up doing actually is is stopping progress. Actually, yeah, a lot of yeah. times people um, don't do anything, and I mean I mean we probably know it ourselves. You know, it's like this kind of thing where your plans are so big that that in a way maybe you could pull it off, maybe, but even then it makes you. It, the energy to pull it off is so high or your like imagination of it that you actually don't do that. You just uh, sit on the couch and watch Netflix all day, basically, because just thinking of it, if thinking of doing like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure you had this too, but at least I had it. Um, making the, the videos for CGMA, it was, it was on one side, it was super cool and I learned a lot, but it was also super painful. Yeah, and yeah. I I needed to push myself to like um, record constantly. And if I wouldn't had the deadline with CGMA, and they were super nice, and they were like, oh, you know, worst case, you can do a like a live video or something, you know, if you cannot finish. And I was like, no, 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 I have to finish. This is ridiculous. How long I'm I'm sitting there? I getting stressed just thinking of not finishing all the time, you know? Yeah. So it's it's a weird thing that basically I think you always will have, you know, it's not like that, that you start to become better and suddenly you are uh, immune to, to your expectation or you immune to, to this uh, kind of procrastinate, negative procrastination, I would call it. Um, no, it's the same thing. It doesn't really matter which position you are. You just learn a little bit more to play with it and accept it and kind of like, you know, use procrastination as actually something where you develop the idea a little bit further before then you like take really action. So I think it's 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 a, it's a fantastic point. And I think it is something that most people fight and that blocks actually this progress of like, okay, I actually want to be there, but I, my expectations are so high that I basically the first step is already useless. Yeah, I think that you can easily get lost in complexity and um, something that a lot of us see, uh, I mean, something that you see a lot of time is that the best way to learn is to learn with simplicity. So sometimes, you know, when we are doing tutorials, we want to do tutorials that are like uh, hundreds of hours or something like that. And you as yourself, when you are looking at tutorial, you are just learning the best way for you to learn is to learn from something that is actually quicker, that is easier to understand because you cannot spend hundred hours of focused time. You cannot put your brain into so much pressure that uh, the, at the end of the day, everything that you will learn will never make it and you will never be able to apply it again. So yeah, I think that um, being able to simplify things and to even if they are so the most complicated notion should be the one that should be the uh, the most simplified ones because you cannot learn complexity thanks to complexity. You can learn complexity thanks to simplicity. You can learn anatomy that is something that is super complex, that is super deep and that has a lot of things to learn about 
but you can not learn it if you start with the most complicated step or if the, if the most superficial step, the one that you, that you see with your own eyes, you need to learn things deeply and you need to find ways to simplify this knowledge. That's, that's, um, how it worked for me with, uh, with learning anatomy. And that I think that's still how we, it's working. I think also before we go go into the sharing part, yeah. uh, I think what what is super important where uh, I feel like we live in a world where knowledge is so free and so accessible. I think there is there is also the decrease of un like like quality in general. I mean, if you if you look at YouTube, most of it is garbage, especially when it comes to knowledge. I mean, if it's if it's like explaining how to, you know, like how to fix something, how to find a specific button somewhere on, on your on your camera. That's perfect. It's fantastic. <laughs> I, I like I have a new camera. I learned a lot of things through YouTube. That's 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 great. But the things that people like don't understand sometimes and I sometimes get this kind of like like question not directly but kind of is like why should i pay for it you know why should i pay for your course why should i pay for my course why should i pay for coaching or mentoring or something like that and there's like multiple reasons and one of the things that you said is simplicity because the, someone who doesn't understand cannot cannot talk sim simply because for example Ma mark twain said i wanted to write you a, a short letter but i didn't have time so, so i wrote you a long one <laughs> You know, it's 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 the mixture of of like you know, um, one someone takes a lot of time to develop something like a course or his his skill as a as a as a teacher or mentor or something like that. Um, second one, there is a systematic approach to that. You know, you you have like a starting point and an end point compared to random YouTube videos, for example. Um, and it also there's another quote, basically like, um, if you pay, you pay attention. And that's also one of the things where you get get away from this weird situation of procrastination and maybe even from this weird notion of having too much expectation because you just follow along, you know, like you paid for, for a course, you're like, okay, I spend money on it. I cannot just like not do it compared to the million of YouTube videos. Yeah. Uh, and with all the things that you have before, like quality, best case, hopefully, um, you ha suddenly have this like internal like push of okay like i paid for it it's not a, some weird one of the hundred youtube courses which are kind of all over the place um no i paid for it so i kind of should do it you know like hey it, it is uh so i feel like there is more focus there is more uh like goal achievement going there and especially specifically if the teacher the lecturer the coach is really good and he learned to be simply you know, he learned through his experience and his work to explain something very, very to the point. Um, then I think it makes the biggest difference of you know, it's also fun, more fun than just like, you know, talking countless times around like motivational stuff or weird thing where you're like, uh, like, I don't know how to actually use that, you know, like uh, basically a lot of YouTube videos or something you watch there and it's like, um, how does it help me to really do the job? I'm not sure. Yeah, you know that's uh, that's something that is kind of funny. So when when you start paying for something, that's actually when you want to get the most out of it. Um, you know, it's just like for me, it's just like uh, having um, video games in a way. So video games, you know, with uh, with the Epic Store, you can get free video games. But at the end, you get a, li a library of hundred of free video games that you get every week. 
But that the ones you will never stop playing with, totally. and the one you will play with are the one that you actually that you actually paid for. So yes, that's something that is kind of funny, and uh, that's also something that can be like let's say similar to therapy, for example. When you go to to a therapy, uh, you have to pay for the therapy. You have to pay for someone to uh, to help you. And the fact that you will pay for someone to help you could be compared to the fact that maybe if you do not want to pay, you could speak with a lot of friends and all best friends will help you, but it will never really make it to your brain. It will never uh, make you want to do the efforts to, to, to go well or to, 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 to feel better. So the fact that you are paying for something kind of force you to focus in the right uh, area. So as you say, it creates basically a commitment, basically yeah, you're, you're yeah. committing with money. And I mean, the, the, the higher the price, the more you, you, you need committed, you know, if you pay for a, like 50, that's the, that's the thing, you know, Udemy is, is a, in a way a problem for me because yeah. in a way I see this like 10 euro, $10 course, like, like you pay that and you don't care, you know, but if, if I can tell you, if you pay for a thousand uh, dollar course i'm pretty sure you you will be mostly committed to that thing yeah, yeah. Um, especially and that's the important thing that you mentioned in the beginning if it is if it has the value i mean if it's if it's five thousand euro and you will uh, earn fifty thousand more a year uh, after like you know after like implementing this knowledge it's it's great it's the same thing i apply for basically all my students you know like they come to CGMA or they come to my personal masterclass and learn, for example, Python or how to apply for jobs or becoming a technical director. And at the end of the day, I mean, like if you do what, I, what I'm basically teaching, you will have a, a much higher job position, you know, like it, it will be paid more. It will have a better status. So the, the price, that's the thing, you know, is, is it give, does it give you the value in the future? If it does, I mean, uh, it only motivates you to do that if it's simple and and intelligent enough built. And I think that's that's a, a big important thing. But it's still kind of a fight of nowadays between what should be free and yeah, what is good yeah. to be free and uh, what should be kind of an investment, basically, that you should do not only with time management, as you basically mentioned, but also like with with hard earned cash, because at the end of the day, it's like, okay, I'm investing in myself and maybe it's not in just like a better workstation or something. It's in, in real courses where I know what I'm getting at. Yeah. You know, and, and that's one, I think one of the things, by the way, I'm, I'm challenging all my students every time is like, tell me if it sucks. You know, if you don't like something in my course, tell me because I will correct that for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, because I want uh, to have the the best course. I and uh, to in any ways, you know, in terms of value, but also that when you pay for it, you're like, okay, I did get what I paid for that. You know, so I think that's super important. Yeah, you know, that's something I had um, conflicts with also in the past, like. Uh, teacher coming to certain school I've, I've teach to and basically they were not really teachers. They were, they were not teacher. I, I think that teacher is really like a, let's say career or profession. Uh, so they were just here because they are professional and they are already working in the industry. So they came with a mind like, okay, you know, I'm going to teach you my specialty, but, uh, do not say anything. Do not ask me anything. I'm just the best at what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, I'm just here because, uh, uh, I'm senior in this company. And for me, it's not working like that. For me, um, you're, when you are teaching, you are, you need to be aware of your limits and you need to be aware of uh, what you will give to students. 
And you need to be willing to have an exchange with students because sometimes you will learn so many things with the students you, you, you will deal with. So yeah, that's really an exchange that's, uh, you are here to help them to create a value. But by doing that, that's also an exchange because you are creating a value for yourself and you are uh, making sure that you become better, that you, um, you, you know how to listen to people, you know how to exchange with them, you know how to push them basically to, to become even better than you. And to me, you know, that's also a goal because the way to, um, the way you can become better at your job is by having people that are better than you or that are, that have things to teach you. And if you do not give everything to your student, if you do not, um, are, if you are not here to help them to become the best artist uh, in the world or the best 3D artist, I'm complicated, com um, conflict, yeah, I'm conflicted with the word uh, art, artist in 3D. But, uh, if you do not help them to become the best they could, then you are kind of limiting what they will be able to do in the end. So you are not helping yourself when you will get a return from them. You know, if, for example, at one point you have a student and finally, because, um, I don't know, three years after you teach to someone, you are here working with this, with this guy. Then you have someone you can trust in. You can uh, really learn from because this, this, this person has also learned a lot from other people during uh, his, his professional journey. So you will be able to learn from that and you will be able to become someone better. So by all becoming someone better, by giving everything we can, then we are just making things to keep becoming better, to evolve. We are uh, making the state of the art, the art to evolve and to go even even further. So yeah, I think that's, that's super important to have this, uh, this commitment. In a way, it's also a waste if you do a teaching situation. And again, like we, we call it teaching, but it can be basically everything. You can yeah. be like teaching at work. You know, you can teach a, a more junior person as you are. You can even teach your colleague. It doesn't really matter as long. Like if you if you show them something they don't know and you are maybe good at, that's already teaching. So teaching doesn't involve like you have to become a like a, a online teacher or a, a coach or stay on or like running around on stage. No, no, no. It's we, we like I think most teachers uh, like who became like this way. We actually actually are working. They basically uh, like teach at work. You know, during the normal work hour. They just just the mentality of how they communicate is kind of like. Oh, oh, you don't know. I can, I can show you that way, kind of, you know. Yeah. And that's also uh, like a, a teaching approach, basically. So I think it's super important. But it's also important, you know, like it would be a waste for us to not learn from our students. To be honest, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean they yeah. pay us, but but we like like I'm always I, I love to work with with good students. I love to work with intelligent students because they challenge me, and a lot of times I can learn something. Maybe it's not even related to the specific topic that we are talking about. You know, they have also their background sometimes uh, that is completely independent from that. I'm still learning in different directions. So for me, like one of the reasons like one of the many reasons to create the best courses and the best teaching experiences also i want to have the best students you know like i want to i want them to have success you know i want to say like great great he works at weta he works now at framestore he works now at da 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 in a way it's 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 this kind of um like we just had the discussion and um it was said like basically 
uh, Andrew just said from Framestore is like, yeah, your, your student's success is your own success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, totally. and and that makes it makes it kind of like a little bit that. But also, like in, in, from your point of view, is like, you know, give me your information. Let me get better by by you asking me question or you correcting me even sometimes if I'm if I'm just wrong. And um, it's also kind of like a free, ex like for us, it's a, it's a free learning experience. Of course, we have to do more work to get this learning, but we are more capable also to do that because we are so kind of like adapted to the situation. So I think that's, just, it is, it is a kind of a miss if you are like a, a teacher or something like that, and you don't take your, your students in a way serious that you want to them to, to succeed and that you want to learn something from them. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that uh, you know we could talk uh, we could talk uh, all day about uh, how how good <laughs> it feel how good it feel to to teach and how rewarding it feel. Like you know, for example, when you have a student that come that come back to you and tell you, "Hey, I have this position now in this studio. I had that with one of my uh, my students. She told me that she is working, I think, in uh, in Method at uh, I don't know. I think it's probably in uh, Australia." And she told me I'm working there and just felt, oh my God, that's, that's super cool to know that. That's super rewarding. And basically, you know, it's, it's like a physical sensation. It's like a physical sensation of reward. Like you, you have something that feel light in your heart. You have something that feel light in, light in your, in your, in your head. And you are super happy about like the exchange you had during this time and you are just hoping that totally. maybe one day you will be able to uh, work with this person because you know the value you created and you know the value uh, this person has now so you just want this exchange to keep going so this is just like a let's say a positive circle one of the things we basically talked about are fundamentals so it it is the inner work what i want to look into one thing that you basically mentioned is sharing so how did you basically showed your basically inner work through sharing, through like posting maybe or creating videos? Like what was the process? Because in a way, like you can do as much inner work as you want. You can become the, the master of Zen. But at the end of the day, people have to recognize that you are now on a level that they're interested in. And it's always, or let's say it's not, a lot of times it's not your application that will like, make the big change where you know like oh i'm now better i apply the 720 times uh, for this job and maybe they will hire you so how did you approach this kind of like sharing and maybe even like open some people's eyes on your newly learned skills sharing is something that i also learned thanks to teaching so you know we are going going away from it but not really so uh, for me what was super important is that basically um because I know that, uh, uh, you know, at one point I became a freelancer and I knew that I wanted to continue in this journey of being someone independent, but I also needed to show to, or to find clients basically just to, just to find money. And, um, I was aware of the kind of work that we were doing in big companies because I worked at uh, MPC and I learned a lot from it. Uh, I've, also had the, the luck to go to, to Artifix and uh, you know what Artifix, what, uh, what is happening that you are learning from all everything that is, that is uh, happening into, into production environment. You are learning the workflow. You are learning your place also as a modeler between rig, between loop dev, between texturing, between animation. So everything. So 
I knew about this technical aspect and I knew how important it is for me to convey to my future client that this is something that they will be able to, to use for their um, professional work and they will not need me to, to, to be inside of the studio to show that. So what I did is that I had the, I, I had this personal project. Um, I had a personal project that I did with uh, two other artists. Uh, this ended up in becoming a Noman tutorial. Um, and I was responsible for the modeling and the texturing, a bit of look dev, but the final look dev was done by, uh, by the, by the, uh, the one that recorded the actual tutorial. But yeah, we had this project that was similar to what we are doing at MPC, to what we are doing in these big studio environments that all the companies around are just like, we, we are a small studio, but we want to hire someone to create for us the MPC quality. We have, we do not have the budget for, uh, hundred of artists. We just want to have someone who will be capable of doing that. So the way you do that is by doing breakdowns, but the way breakdowns are done in demo, um, in, in show reel or in reel from VFX companies. You show that on your portfolio. You show that, for example, if you want to become a modeler, or it could be everything, but if you want to, to become a modeler, then what you will do is that you will show the concept sculpt stage. You will show really the first stage that you also do in a VFX environment. You do that. You, you always start with a concept sculpt. So this concept sculpt, what you can do is also to share your references. This means that you want someone who you, people can trust in because basically you will have your board of references um, in uh, in dailies. So in reviews, what we do in VFX companies is that we ask to as the artist, show me your work, but show, show it along your references because I will not validate anything if I do not have the references and if I can say, yeah, this match the reference so you can go, you can go on, you can move on with the next task. This is also where the reference part is so important. So like, don't just like helpful, but it's actually career, like in specific position, it's actually a career must. It's really about using these references and using that because it's super important for production and also showing all the steps. Um, if, if you are, what you need to do next. So again, here I'm specifically focusing on creature modeling. So I'm doing, I'm doing modeling, texturing and look dev, but, um, I need to show to my clients who are looking for the MPC quality or who are looking for the DNEC frame store ILM quality. I need to show them that I can be, that I can do that in a production manner. So the way to do that is also, for example, if I need to show a modeling that is ready for production, it will be a modeling that will be able to be animated. So what I'm doing is that I'm trying to identify what I had to do when I was at MPC or when I was at DNA. And what I had to do is that I had to do what we call a bind pose. Bind pose is basically a neutral pose for, for your creature that you, that you did before for your sculpt. And uh, you need to make sure that this bind pose is neutral enough. So it will be able to be deformed in a lot of ways. It will be able to walk. It will be able to run but it will start from a neutral pose. So I'm showing that also on my portfolio. Um, then I'm showing the topology because topology is a way to convey your client that you are capable of doing the technical pass for your work. Uh, I'm doing um, also the sculpt of uh, fine details. So I'm showing that I can do displacement. So you know, all of these technical pieces that basically are, you are expected to do when you are working in a big, uh, in a big company. So yeah, that's something that you need to do when uh, you are uh, 
let's say a freelancer or when you want to find work, you need to show that you can do work that is as good as you as it were if you were in a big production environment. That's something that I found was super important. That's something that I did on a lot of my project on my uh, portfolio. And thanks to that, again, I am pretty sure that it's thanks to that that uh, my clients came to me and they asked me for, for a job. Um, also, I think that at one point, I just decided that this project were a good way for me to share the knowledge and to share, well, again, going back to this teaching stuff, but yeah, to, to share something and for others to learn from. So what I did is that I also did some tutorials for that. And doing tutorials is a way to, um, to find not only an income, here I'm not speaking about money, but more like an income as uh, someone who is sharing production quality stuff to other artists who will learn from it. So I don't know if there is an artist who uh, just look at my one of my tutorials, then let's say this artist is working at um, uh, ILM DNEC, which is something that happened actually for me. I had an artist who was working at, uh, at DNEC. So I think Scott, Scott Denton is a good friend and he was about to work for DNEG. And I think that probably he knew me from my work and from the tutorial I was sharing online. And he was able to recommend me, to recommend my application to, to DNEG. And then um, DNEG had, had an interview with me. It went really well. We were able to work together. And then when I was there, I, I, I was I kept looking at sharing with, uh, with other artists and uh, at exchanging uh, knowledge with them. So yeah, you can, you can do tutorials because tutorials is a way also of opening yourself and showing that you are doing stuff that can be embedded into a production environment. So yeah, everything should be focused about the end goal, basically. You need to be, again, we, we are going back to that, being clear-sighted about what you want to do in the end. And in the end, for me, before, it was more like, working in a production environment, working on the next Godzilla, how is the next Godzilla done? I learned how it's done. Then I did my really small version or really uh, personal version of Godzilla, which was a T-Rex. Then with this T-Rex, I showed all the steps. I showed all the breakdown on my portfolio. And then thanks to this breakdown, then I had clients coming to me and ask me to do a lot of other creative, uh, creative stuffs. Basically, you you mean tutorials more in in a way of a reference, like like your skill references, less in a way of like becoming a teacher or something like that. I think that's that's all kind of important to understand. It's like okay, of course, in a way you teach maybe someone, but it is it is in a way also a little bit of breaking down your your workflow, which if someone is is interested in you will be the best way you know a breakdown you know I, to be honest i cannot see breakdowns for movies anymore they're the boringest thing ever like if you <laughs> saw like 10 you basically know all this boring layers and i mean like who's interested in the texture layer it's it looks flat and or the the, the seven million color layers or something like that so um so so we don't we don't say or like uh, at least uh, if i don't think that that you're saying that it's like oh everyone has to become a teacher and now create tutorials online and and yeah. basically like you know swap every the whole internet with with everyone's like that's that's not not the exact point if you love teaching you can teach again at at your environment you don't have to become like a real teacher um if you but i feel like what what you're saying is basically 
use the approach of tutorials to create breakdowns, basically, of your work, to create breakdowns uh, yeah. of whatever. You don't have to create like a dedicated YouTube channel or something like that. I think it's more than enough than if you have like like five videos or 10 videos of you uh, breaking down your T-Rex or breaking down something that you're currently, your lighting setup or something like that. And that's basically, you can you can send that. And then it's basically, you have your showreel, which is tuck, 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 which is basically a music video trailer something. Um, and then you have your long versions, which are actually like, oh, like 30 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever, where people can, if they want to, and they feel like oh, I'm on the edge with this person, they can kind of look at that and say like, oh yeah, if, if I if I see, I basically see the basics. You know, I, if I look at his his longer version videos, I can see that he understood what, what it is is about. And so if I give him a different uh, thing, which is similar still, um, he will be able to adapt. And that's, I think, one of the most important things that you have to understand. And you basically mentioned that um, kind of looking of what is necessary and being on the quality standard is like people um, try to find someone who can repeat the quality on this project. You know, so basically, if you can prove them that you did Godzilla and they do Godzilla 2, perfect. Um, yeah. If it's not so easy, sometimes if you do a T-Rex and they want to build someone for Godzilla, already very close enough. So it is actually this kind of thing is be as close as possible. And I think that's what I hear basically from you is like, give the people opportunity to see your basics, to understand how far you can do, not just like one frame or a turntable or something, but literally give them a, like an, an insight of your skills so they can understand, oh, like, oh yeah, I understand what's going on and this is how long it took or whatever. So I feel like like opening a little bit the, the making off door kind of, um, I think is a, is, an, is a good approach of, of doing that. And something happened to me, like I, I had a situation where people, uh, hired me because of my open source pipeline Plex, because I have a YouTube channel and teach people how to script or whatever. I actually, it's it's the weirdest thing if people come to you and you get hired somewhere and people come to you, I, I watch your YouTube videos. I, was yeah. like, I, I don't even have that many. I mean, I have like 30 or something, uh, which are online, but uh, it's like, I watch your stuff. I was like, uh, it's kind of kind of strange, but yeah, no, I, I feel that. So besides that, what what else would you would you do um, to kind of um, show your skills? So I would say is also showing that you are um, really aware of the fundamentals um, and um, that you be someone that other people will, will trust in. So you, you do that too, also with uh, soft skills, basically, but. We, you know, we spoke a lot about that. We, thought, we spoke about, about like being open, uh, being capable of sharing, speaking to others, teaching. So yeah, that's something that is important. But I, I think we do not amplify enough the fact that um, if you do not practice this enough, then you will not be capable of uh, achieving your goal. So what I want to say by that is that, for example, if you want to become someone who will be super competent in one specialty, then you need to go on LinkedIn and you need to show that uh, uh, you can be this person or that you can be the one that uh, people will trust. This is kind of a soft skill about communication, you know. Um, you need to to learn to speak to people about your specialty. You need to have the good vocabulary so you can understand other artists in a production environment or you can share with them. 
you basically have to get known for something. I mean, that's yeah. that's a, like a little bit like I always call it a little bit branding. I don't like this word anymore, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. actually a, it's actually a thing. I mean, basically, if I think of you, Gail, I was I was like creature uh, modeler. That's yeah, that's yeah. the thing that pops to my mind. So if I if I want a creature modeler, I will come to you. If people talk about me, it's like uh, should be technical directing because that's something where it's plastered all over. No one will start to to hire me as a compositor. Uh, it wouldn't make sense because there's no connection to that. But that's that's the thing. It's kind of a little bit like having a goal and and clearly show that what your goal is. You know, that's one one of the things I actually have to discuss the most when I talk with people with clients, for example, about uh, like how to update their their application. Is like uh, you are unclear what you are. Uh, I'm not sure what yeah. for I should hire you. You know, it's not very clear. You're a generalist, okay, but for what? Like. Is there something like that I'm hiring you? Because the broader you are, the harder people have to decide, should I hire this guy or this guy? Or this? I mean, they're all the same. I don't know. So yeah, your, your identity is something that is super important because you're, you're defining yourself. And if you really understand what you're defining, if you really understand what uh, are your goals, what you want to achieve, then you can start feeling free, you can start feeling empowered, you can start really go to go in the direction you, you want to go. Uh, so for me, it was creature and I always knew. So I discovered after MPC and after speaking with Brandon, when he gave me this advice, that this was something that was possible. So I kept focusing on doing that. I kept focusing on becoming better and doing that. So this defined my identity. What is my identity? You, 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 you just told it. My identity is a creature modeler or anatomy specialist. So this is my identity. And I want people to know that. I want people to be aware that they can trust me for you that. Want, you want people to hire you for that because that's what you like yeah. to do. <laughs> I want people to hire me for that. And that's just this, posi this positive circle, you know, this uh, snowball keep uh, keep falling and then you just having this positive uh, attitude into production because you are happy about what you are doing. And uh, if you are happy about what you are doing, you do it good, do it good for, so it's, it's good for everyone. It's good for your client because your client will have a good product. It will be good for you because you will have a good real or you will have a good portfolio you will have some beautiful pieces to share and you will be happy to share them so if you are happy to share them then you want to keep becoming even better at doing that or you want to keep doing it actually and this is just this positive circle and the problem is when you fall into something that can become really negative or that can be like, become something like you do not want to be in a situation you do not want to be in like at one point, if you, if you feel that you are starting to compromise yourself or if you feel that and you need to be able to change, you know, you, you know, I, I've always wanted to become someone who work on Godzilla, uh, work on big creature, but at one point it becomes something different. It becomes more like I want to be someone who will share um, love and awareness for anatomy in general, not only for human, but anatomy in um, creature, diversity in animal. Um, it's because I felt that working in the entertainment industry for so long, it kind of started to compromise uh, something I learned. And I had to, it was a lot of questions basically. It was uh, me like, trying to understand a new way of working, a new way of um, um, exchanging with my client, new way of um, doing something. 
focusing on something that was even more specialized than it was at the beginning. You know, when you say creatures in entertainment, it can be anything. A uh, creature can even be a robot. Creature can be a dog. A creature can be a cat. A creature can be um, a dragon or some, I don't know, something that, that an alien creature. But for me, it was more about like, okay, I learned that the fundamental behind all of these things is anatomy. And this fundamental is something that in fact is important, but not only for 3D, not only for entertainment, it's something that is important in the more general awareness, uh, I will say of, of humanity. We are speaking about really big, big ideas here, but yeah, something that can be important for uh, respect between spaces, respect between other respects, general respect, basically. So. I become even more specialized. I went in more into this uh, deep niche about uh, animals and I started to do écorches. Écorches is basically you doing a model of an animal stripping the, the skin out, but in an ethical way. So you can see all the muscle, you, you, can, help, you can use this project to teach others and the others will be able to understand what is happening deep inside of body and they will be able to compare that to something that exists. So yeah, you do not want to compromise yourself too much. So you need to understand the everything that is happening when you, when you are working. You need to understand that at one point, okay, we are doing 3D for entertainment, but um, what it means is that you are working for a client, so you do not have total free freedom of what you are doing. What it means is that you are just doing repetitive stuff and someone, sometimes you are doing technical stuff for someone and uh, you will not be pleased with it, but that's the way the industry is, is working. And if you feel you are not at your place anymore, then you, it's okay to, to want to change or to be open to other, other um, I don't know, other specialities or not only specialities in the way I'm speaking about uh, our production environment, but to change totally to go in a new job or something that doesn't have to do anything with uh, entertainment. And that's something that kind of happened to me. So not exactly, but it's kind of similar. So what I'm doing with Facebook, for example. So I know that a lot of people are asking me, oh yeah, you're working at Facebook. So are they doing is it doing VFX yeah. now? Is I was wondering how is that connected to, to what you did before? So yeah, it's something different and I'm super happy. I'm super proud about it is because I, I went from computer graphics, which is basically using a machine to create images or to, to create something uh, for entertainment most of the time to computer uh, computer vision. So it's another speciality it's something that is more about like the com computer vision you can think about it like the way a machine will see a real world and understand it and i had this opportunity of working with facebook because they asked me uh, to to do what i what i'm doing the best which is doing animals doing doing modeling of animals but in order to be able to develop ai in order to be able to to develop things that we do not even know if they will be useful at one point or if they work. We are just doing, uh, I, I mean, just, we are doing R&D. And I, I, I fall in love with that because basically you are just like using your knowledge of fundamentals to something that has a greater purpose, I will say, to something that is not entirely here for entertainment. Uh, entertainment, again, is really budgeted. It's really something that's work in this kind of uh, place where 
you have a client, the client come to you and the client is expecting a precise thing out of, uh, out of your toolbox. Here you are doing something that on which you are applying your fundamental knowledge and some, you don't, you don't even know how it will end up, but maybe some, some day it will be here. I don't know for, for, uh, science. It will be useful for science purposes. It will be useful for, uh, development. It will be useful for veterinary content. It will be useful in, in a more general manner. And that's something that I found was really important to say that you do not need to say this is my end goal, and when you reach it, you just feel totally empty, or you do not need to say, I know exactly what I will be doing. There is nothing else that can happen in my life. No, you just, you just have to try to go to your goal. And then if something else happened in your, in your road, then you will just open about it and you left it to happen in your life. And you just try to make things work so you can feel happy. And sometimes you, you can, you can switch focus and it's okay. It's not a problem at all. And. You know, we spoke about people that are really specialized and that are focusing on a, like the master plan they have so they can just go in this precise direction they have at the beginning of their career or even before. But there are also people who don't really know what they want to do, but they know that they love uh, cinema, they know that they love uh, um, creative process, creative stuff. So it's, it's totally fine. I mean, what you have to do is to find happiness in your job and to find happiness in doing that, be feeling, feeling okay with, uh, the, the job you're doing. And sometimes it's okay. Also not, uh, not, uh, being totally informed of your work as long as, as you are not like totally compromising yourself, but yeah, you can treat jobs as just a job. That's also something that, that is okay. We are people that are that can be super passionate about uh, what we are doing because we are doing creative stuff, you know, you are pipe, you are pipe TD, right? Um, so being a pipe TD also means that uh, uh, you need to be super precise in, in your approach, but it doesn't mean that you are not a creative. And a lot of people are creative. And most of the time when people are creative, they're just so passionate about that. They forget that the world, the, the rest of the world exists, but it, it is, it exists. And we can be okay with, with that. Yeah, I feel I feel like this is the biggest one of the biggest issues uh, in, in our industry is the identification with with the work. You know, yeah. as I mean, I I know that especially for example, two D artist is is the same. Uh, you identify yourself, your worth with your work. That's why you you end up like overworking over time, uh, like getting all these negative situations where you get like, you know, used, uh, you, or unpaid over time, whatever, um, and burn yourself out because you feel like your only worth is this specialty or this skill or working at this position. And I think that's something that you have, this is something you have to go through. I feel like everyone goes through that, you know, like especially in a job where you need to have a certain amount of skills and and passion to even like persist enough. I think you you go through the phases. Some people are faster with that. Some people maybe never learn. But actually, everyone has this situation basically where you where he has to decide how important is this for me actually. You know how how much of my self worth is like is that? You know, do I really want to continue? I mean, or is it because because that's the only thing I can actually do and I get hired for? You know, and this is like I think the hardest step because the longer you do, you get specialized to one and then. Suddenly say, you know what? I'm not a TD anymore. I'm a podcaster. 
uh, or a YouTuber or something like that. Or you know what? I'm not a creature uh, creature modeler or something like that. I'm now working for Facebook and maybe doing anatomy or something like that. You know, uh, or maybe completely different. Who knows? It's it's a it's a super hard step, but I feel like it is also a, a form of maturity because it shows that that you understand what that that your skills are still there you know even if they're completely in a different direction you can still very fast switch to something else like you know you can like uh, become a producer or whatever if that's something you want fast because you all have all the skills from your supervising from your like how you approach your your special career and i think that's something you people forget this kind of you already have created a worf and just because you switch lanes or decide a different path doesn't mean the worf is going away you still have all of this maybe you have to sp spend more work again but you still created something and that's something that's for example also like you eugenie shiny. said when she switched careers uh is kind of like yeah like you should always if you get bored with something like don't continue just look at what you really like what you're passionate about and then uh, correct your, your path a little bit and continue this way. And like, and I think like every 10 years max, we will get bored with it, you know, and it doesn't mean you have to change completely, but I would say like after like five to 10 years, you don't want to do this exact thing anymore. You want to at least have a little bit of maybe a lead or supervising management role, or I don't know, maybe suddenly robots or whatever, you know, it, it's, it, there is some change. You cannot do the same thing for more than five to 10 years. After that, you kind of get numb, I would say. And I think that's something um, I, I hear from you. And I think it's, 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 it's crucial. Um, and I think it's also, again, just to understand, just because you have a plan and you should have a strong plan, it's not shouldn't be like, ah, oh, maybe I will become la la la. It's good if you have a strong plan. But the moment you achieve that, you have to reflect. You know, you cannot just like, oh, I'm now at Google. I'm now at ILM. I'm now at Weta. Uh, so now I achieved everything. Now I'm, I'm in, in autopilot. And, and, and then like two years later, you're like super unhappy because stressful, it's boring and stuff like that. So you still have to reflect and create a new plan like every time and every few months or year, you have to kind of reflect. Is that what is that fun? Is that what I like? Or do I have to adjust elements of that, you know? So I think that's a fantastic, fantastic point that you just basically said. Thank you. So basically at the end of the show, we like to wrap up everything, especially for people who are just starting out, like learning the ropes. And I mean, we already talked a lot about a lot of like tips and tricks in a way. We also learned or learned your way, but you also explained what you can do, you know, we, we we will talk about like the fundamentals, doing references, creating something like a tutorial for your work and so on. But it would be also cool to kind of summarize that into like like basic bullet point questions. So let me give you some some kind of small question and you just give give us like your impression what you would do in this um, for, for that specific thing. So for example, what first one would be, what was the most important decision in your career? I think that's something where, where you're like, okay, what was the pivot that made uh, the difference here? So I think that the, let's say the first most important, um, decision in my career, um, was to focus on what I wanted to do and was to focus on doing MPC work, uh, MPC kind of work, let's say. 
because this defined everything. This defined my vision of what I wanted to do and how I should do it. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I think that the, the first, uh, big, biggest, um, decision I took in my career. And this was something that worked really well for me. Let's say you just finished, for example, Artifix or another school or another university. What would be your first step in 2021? If you're like, okay, I'm, I'm a fresh student, just finished, maybe junior or something like that. So what should I do now? What would be your step? Basically, if you can, would repeat basically the same thing 2021 now. 2021 being a, like a really different year, like 2020, like this has been something that has been really different from uh, when we started is that we had COVID, but this doesn't mean that we couldn't find, that students couldn't find a way of finding jobs. And actually this was the other way around where uh, young artists were capable of working for really big companies, but from where they were studying, which is south of France, which is, um, I'm speaking about like students from Artifix, but from everywhere basically. And this is because they were, they are, they are capable of, uh, showing their work in a professional manner on their portfolio and they can send that directly to companies. So I will say focus on that show a professional approach to work on your portfolio so you can find jobs and you, you can be someone relevant for, for the job. So would you do anything different if you look back on your career to make your life easier, like career easier? Yeah, um, that's a big question. I'm not sure I would make <laughs> anything different. I know that's that soon kind of can soon kind of arrogant to say that, but, uh, or, or yeah, or, or too bold, or I don't know. Uh, but, uh, if I will do something different, uh, I don't know. I think that's, I learned so many things and I'm so happy with the time I took to learn all of this, of this thing. And I'm so happy that I have been able to, to train them to, to make sure that they are part of, of, of my life and that they are part of my approach of work that I don't feel I will make things different. I just, I just wish I could maybe, I don't know, focus more sometime or being, being really, focusing on my end goal more often than I am sometimes. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think that uh, things worked really well for me. And I, I took the, the only time I, I could, I could take actually to, to, to learn these things. So I couldn't have learned things quicker. I couldn't have learned things, uh, easier. They, they had to take this time to, to make it to my brain. So they become more natural. So yeah. So. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's fine. It's fine. I mean, I mean, that's, that's also, I think, again, we talked about maturity is like, it's also part of maturity is accepting like your decisions, you know, it's like, uh, okay, whatever I did, I like with, with the, with the knowledge I had at that time, that was the best decision I could. Sometimes you don't yeah. do it, you do it in regret it. And that's, that's something where you start to regret. But if you think back at this moment in time and you kind of like, you know, you did what you thought was best. You know, oh, and yeah. I think this, that's the most this, important thing. I think this doesn't mean that I did everything perfect. Uh, there were a lot of errors and there were errors in communication. There were errors in production or in technique or there were errors. But I'm happy of these mistakes. I'm happy that they happened because they helped me to become better and to understand things. If I hadn't do, done these uh, uh, mistakes along the way, then 
I wouldn't have been capable of uh, identifying them as heroes. So yeah, that's being like having a lot of uh, self-awareness, I think is super important. So folks, the tip here is actually like the path is not, not always straightforward. It's always like embrace, embrace the curves in your path and basically accept that it will not go your way as long. Again, time management is correct. You know, don't st stand too much, too long in, in muddy water and, and bad decisions. Just move on, fail faster, um, see your time management. And then you even like all the f problems or mistakes that you did, you will forget because they were like teeny tiny in the whole scale of things. You literally like, I don't remember, maybe I did some mistakes. I don't know, kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's a great tip. Um, any tips for aspiring modelers or creator sculptors? Again, we said it multiple times during the interview, anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> anatomy, I have so many students coming to me and just showing me um, their work as a stage it is. So what I want to say by that is that basically, so I have this speci super specific workflow that make me uh, someone that um, people are, are, I think, inspired with, by or people want to work with it that basically, when I need to do a creature, what I'm doing is that I'm starting with the inside. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm really starting with the inside. I'm starting with the bones. Then I'm adding the muscles on top. Uh, I have this organic approach of modeling. And a lot of students are coming to me and they are just showing me the end picture. They are just showing me the final creature with the skin, with the, with the skull. And you can definitely tell that something isn't working and that what is not working, that they do not took time to um, so they do not take time to actually think about the fundamentals. They do not try to understand or they do not uh, force themselves to understand that anatomy starts by the, by the structure. It starts by the most basic thing. It starts by the inside. It starts by a structure and the structure is the bone, um, the skeletal system. And then what you have next are the muscles. Then uh, what you have next is the fat. What you have next is the skin. On top of the skin, you may have scales, you may have hair, you may have skin pores, but you really need to have this organic, organic approach. You need to understand things deeply. The more time you spend at the, be the beginning doing that, Later, you will see that this time has been earned. You can pretend to hire rank jobs uh, easier. You, you you feel more confident in, in designing. You feel more creative because you are you know this space, so you can expand and you can expand boundaries. Uh, so yeah, I will say that focus on the inside, focus on the the support, the base of anatomy. Then level your learning curve, make sure that you, you, you add the different layers on top of everything that you really push yourself into um, not having just a superficial understanding. And if you want to learn the, the how, just uh, pay for Gail's masterclass in anatomy. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not teaching. I'm not teaching it anymore. Um, I think that Tanby is teaching it. Uh, yeah, I had to, I had to split ways with, uh, with a CG Master Academy at one point, but they are still oh, using okay, my okay. course. Uh, okay, so it's still, still using... there. So you can still, still yeah. learn from it. Okay, okay. But, but worst case, worst case, yeah, yeah, go, go to the source. Like just, just, we will, we will blend in, uh, Gail's, uh, personal email address, his, <laughs> uh, his, his uh, phone number. <laughs> and if you have specific questions, yeah, you can, yeah, you can just know. call him. <laughs> 
No, but uh, speaking about the CGMA class, so I'm not teaching it anymore, but the course is still active on the CG, CGMA website. So at one point, I just wanted to focus a bit more on my personal life and on uh, working on different different projects for production so I could become better if I'm going back at, back at one point into teaching. But yeah, this, this was the goal. So I just stopped teaching at CGMA, but again, they are using my, my course. So the recorded content is, is still there. And instead of having one teacher, now you have two teachers. So you have my recording content and you will have feedback from the teacher that is currently, um, supping the course, which I think is can be at this time, but could be another, another. Double worth, double teacher, double experience. You double the double. value. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Before we, we move on to the final section of like 10 rapid questions. Any final tips that you that you have for for anyone who's starting out or specific modeling? Anything that you would like to kind of advise, which you feel like that's something I would like to. I would have I would have heard. I would love to be hearing that seven years before, kind of. Yeah. Like be the I mentor for for the last. <laughs> I think that's something I would have learned, or I would have liked to hear more often is not being scared about doing things and being totally happy with uh, with mistakes or not happy with it but uh, learning from from errors mistakes you make along the way because again you cannot do things or you cannot learn how to do things if you do not try and if you do not try then if you do not make errors you will never know that you will you you have errors that has, that has been made so yeah um try to be a bit bold about the decision you will make because if you just too scared about doing things, you'll just keep repeating to yourself, I know I want to do that, but I'm just too scared. Uh, it's going to happen when it's going to happen. Then you can take ages and ages before anything happens and eventually uh, it will happen or not. So yeah, you have to be, to be a bit bolder. You have to, to just force things because that's also something I think a lot of people think like they, 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 they just think that the successful People around here have having su successful career because they have a lot of luck or because they already know everything, uh, or it's something that is inherent in, in, that is inside of their, of their brain or that is part of them. But that's not true. Nothing comes naturally so easily. Even some, something comes naturally, then you have to practice it and you have to expand on that because um, um, because, because you want to, you want it to become even better. So yeah, I will say learn, um, learn a lot, being open to learn, being open to, to what people say and being bold in your decision, not being scared about doing mistakes because you will do, but you will learn from that. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, again, it's about confidence and, um, moving forward and there was this uh there was this alex he's an author of the third third door and uh, he was interviewing like bill gates and all the big pe people and because he was he was wondering like if they're scared or like or if they're just like immune to that and all of them were scared all of them were said like they're the scariest part were actually the most changing part you know so it's not that like there are people who are not scared maybe they are but that's not not the, the the norm and it's definitely not the, the most successful people all successful people are also scared they just embrace it and use it as a as a like motivational thing yeah Love that. I think it's fantastic. And I think that makes, especially if you are a beginner, I think that makes the biggest, biggest difference. Like all the skill in the world will not 
like you know push you through the door you have to do that in the end of the day you have to apply for a job you maybe think you're not good enough or for something that you maybe think it's is not on your on your scale so i think that's 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 fantastic so at the end we always like to get a little bit more more personal a little bit more like rapid fire questions so i have 10 rapid fire questions to get a little bit okay. to know you a little bit more so okay biggest inspiration living dead or fictional uh, and you said rapid, uh, rapid, rapid yeah it's, it's like it's like what oh, comes so to your to your mind <laughs> instantly you know so it, okay it so biggest biggest inspiration i think is probably uh john john hoy uh so the art director of um of uh, uh lord of the ring series um i love his work i like I love the the sensibility in his work and um yeah I love the way he's using lines the way he's using his medium and the ease behind that so yeah he's one of my biggest in inspiration um Didier Graffé is also one of my biggest inspiration I've grown up seeing his his illustration I will say also Scott Eaton is uh, definitely one one of my top uh, top list so all all living probably yeah, yeah. Okay. sorry, sorry for the other house. <laughs> um, one, one thing you cannot live without? Your uh, an anatomy book, probably. Anatomy book, <laughs> uh, anatomy books, and the willing of, uh, of uh, learning something deeply and understanding something. Okay, but physically? Physically? I don't know. <laughs> food. Food. Okay. I will say food easily because I love that. Uh, I love food and uh, I, I You're love French, you know. <laughs> I'm French, cheese, this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, one thing you would like to do before you die? Um, becoming even better. <laughs> That's weird to say, but yeah. <laughs> okay, like real the master, like everyone's coming to you. There is no option, basically. Yeah, yeah. I feel that, uh, you know, you're defined, someone you, you, you lose yourself in defining yourself as, as, um, like uh, the, the, the professional career you, you want to be or the professional career you want to have. So yeah, I, I will say, I will say, I will say that. I think we'll find there's a hidden secret here. In, in reality, they just uh, like uh, creating a new artificial intelligence using Gale. And so he will live <laughs> forever and become the super being of mastermind. And that's basically the hint here. So if, if, if we, in some years we will see something like that, I said it first. Um, <laughs> what's your hidden talent? Oh man! <laughs> I, I, told, I told you this is this is the, um, the, the hardest yeah. question for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, my hidden talent. I don't know. Uh, I do not have any. You know, I'm really trying to 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 be what I want to be, and so everything is like pretty pretty open. I think overthinking things. Let's say that. Overthinking <laughs> that doesn't sound like a talent, to be honest. I know, I know, but <laughs> I think like, yeah. Again, trying to understand things really, really deeply, and having like uh, my my way of thinking about things is probably a, let's say, a hidden talent. What alternative career would you aspire if it wouldn't be creature modeler? 
So I think that's probably becoming a veterinarian or surgeon or something like that, still related to anatomy. But to me, Makes that's sense. something that, yeah, that, that has that has a meaning. That really has a deep meaning, and that is human. So yeah, like, like Dr. Gale is coming. <laughs> Favorite place to live? London. London. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, London. I've been li so London. I will say London and Switzerland. Maybe like a hidden city in Switzerland. You know, I, lo I love both sides. I love like being surrounded by humanity, a lot of people, a lot of uh, diversity, ethnicity, everything. I, I love that and being able to exchange. I love that. But sometimes also, yeah, uh, nature. Where is nature and where is the peacefulness in nature? So maybe both, you know, living in a, in a mountain in Switzerland and also living uh, in London. Okay. Favorite quote? Uh, I think that's a, that's a quote from uh, Andrew, Andrew Cross, um, something that he said during, during the Zebra Summit 2015 or 2014, I think, when he was uh, uh, here on stage and showing everything, he, uh, showing a lot of tips about anatomy. And he said, so the opposite quote is that those who can't teach, so the people who cannot basically are teacher. And that's something that we, that we hear a lot of time. But to me, uh, so what he said during, during his uh, intervention is that the opposite, those who can teach. So the people who can and who understand the thing must teach because again, everything we say during the interview, it's open, being open to others, exchanging with others, a uh, uh, trade of knowledge and uh, an open mind basically. So yeah. Okay. A favorite movie. So Dragonheart. Uh, really? I, I like it. I, yeah. it. It is a B movie, but I like it. It's kind of like a child, child yeah. movie for me, you know? Like. Yeah. To me, it has been like the most defining movie in, in my life, uh, because of the, I don't know, you, you know, this kind of night way of, uh, behaving and the story of the dragon giving half of his heart to his biggest enemies and it has a lot of uh, beauty in it i think so yeah uh yeah nice. dragon heart yeah i like that one too i'm not sure if i can if it's still still interesting if i watch it today but i, I kind of yeah. have <laughs> fond memories about it but just the first one not the, yeah oh, no no no, uh, no 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 the other one yeah not the fun movies and yeah no no snooze or no snooze snooze or no snooze yes uh snooze Last question, super simple. How far would you succeed and who wants to be a millionaire? Like million is the, is the top line. So how far would you come if you would play this in real? So, uh, I would say to the top, um, second, 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 third, Part so of, like 500,000, uh, or something like that. Or maybe, maybe let's say 200, 200,000 or something like that. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> very nice. That's, it's very knowledgeable. Um, yeah, I'm that's... hoping, I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a, uh, you know, like I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure if you decided to, to go there and win, you know what, from what we learned today, you will be able to. So, so that's, that's <laughs> a, actually a good answer. It's fantastic. Uh, thank you, Gail. That was a really good insight of like 
how to approach that. I mean, it kind of shifted a little bit from our original idea where to go through with this episode, generally speaking, but it's also keep, kept basically on the this becoming a specialist kind of path, you know, especially like for for creature modeler or modeler in general, <laughs> in general in this case. Um, but it was super, super insightful. And also kind of, I could see a lot of things, even in completely different direction, like technical director, I can see basically the same approaches. Um, they are coming from that, and this was super. We are super lucky to 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 have you here, basically, and and uh, telling us like how you approach that because you have like a such such incredible career and it's still going, and you're and it's also super cool to see that you you're still adjusting. You know, you're not just like okay, I'm I'm now that's forever my life. No, I'm uh, that, and I think that's one of the things for for us in the podcast is kind of like keeping things real. Um, of course, we all all want to have like some tips and tricks and learn from from the things, but also understand that it's like okay, you have to have a path to even like even to fail, you have to have a path. You know, you, how can you fail if you yeah. don't even know where you're going? You know, it's kind of weird, but a lot of, that's I think the most important um, part that we kind of learned. Anything from you before we we wrap up everything? So we'll say a big uh, big thanks to you, Alex, because this was super super interesting to, to yeah, exchange with you. Um, yeah, thanks for for your uh, podcast, for for your YouTube uh, videos as well, because I think that's also super interesting to be to be capable to have a space where we can share with others. Uh, that's the space you're giving to us. So yeah, thanks thanks so much for that. And this was uh, um, super cool for me to be to be able to speak with you today. That's it with this week's episode of the 21 Artist Show. Thank you so much for watching and listening. This podcast is 100% ad-free. And to keep it that way, check out my website, 21artistshow.com. There you can find exclusive access to awesome masterclasses and coaching opportunities to work successfully in visual effects, animation, and games. Just go to 21artistshow.com. And don't forget to share it with people who would benefit from that content and tell them they're awesome. See you on the next episode. Next on the 21 Artist Show. I was in one of the kitchens and just because the at lunchtime, there's a lot of people at the same time having lunch, at least when we used to be in the office. And I was watching one of the runners hand washing dishes because the dishwashers were already full and running. And you know what I mean? They were trying to keep up with the demand for forks or something like that. And I was just standing there watching and I'm like, I don't think she came here to wash forks. <laughs>